get that shit on my seats, bro. Mobbing in the Bentley, smoking moon hey. rocks. Hey. Pocket full of motherfucking blue, blue. guap. Half an ounce in my Gucci two socks. For the summertime, got a new drop. Trapper slash rapper slash bad bitch. Snatch it, come here. Baby mama mad. She said you live like a bachelor. So what? Sold a hundred pounds and gave ten percent to the pastor. Church. Keep going up the ladder. Hey. They mad, make them matter. Hey. Told my son when I'm gone, you gon' be a rich little bastard. Yeah. Pointers on me hitting. Leave a bitch dizzy. Uh. All my old bitches feeling salty. Yeah, yeah. MID, I'm talking about why you doubt me. Yeah, yeah. But I still miss you. Can you call me? Yeah, yeah. I heard ain't shit changed that you still balling. Yeah, yeah. She used to bust them scripts for me at Walgreens. Smuggling narcotics was my calling. Hey, hey. Foes on the Mercedes. That's major. Uh, uh. Whole gang going crazy. That's major. Uh, uh. Millions on the table. That's major. Uh, uh. I turn dirt into diamonds. That's major. Uh-huh. <laughs> You, you searching for fame. Damn. I became a superstar in the dope gun. DMP episode six. Today is February 16th, 2021. Um, how are we doing today, Maddie? Doing good, man. Got a uh, little Warriors win streak. Feeling nice. Got some uh, baby boys making us proud. So all in all, things are, things are going well. How are you doing? Dog days of winter. You know, it's cold as hell. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, Warriors are continuing to beat the shitty teams, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> the cold is on the uh, the cold is almost done for us. So uh, yeah, just, business as usual, pretty much. Uh, but yeah, let's just jump into it. Uh, Warriors played last night against um, our favorite buddies over in Cleveland. The Cleveland Cavaliers beat the living hell out of them. Uh, another game where what Steph had thirty six in the first in three quarters. Um, yep. Just a just your run of the mill midseason, just game. <laughs> dog, yeah, dog. Like you said earlier, it's the dog days. You got to scrape out these should be easy wins against uh, not so formidable formidable opponents. So glad that we were able to pull it off. You, you can't drop a game to a team like Cleveland in our position when you're scratching and clawing for that eight to ten seed. So it was it was nice to see us put them away. Yeah, I, I mean that's that's where it's at. It's like these games. For how they play against the, the bad teams and versus the good teams, like you can't be dropping these. Um, as we're almost at like the midpoint of the season, like you have to beat the Cavs um, and any team that's below 500. Um, and it's cool to see them still jamming. Like I said, I'm still digging the small ball lineup. Uh, Juan T is playing super well. Draymond's playing well. Everybody's playing well, and we're going to get some guys back hopefully soon. Um, yep. So yeah, things are looking still, up. Still. Still monitoring Wiseman. I think the, his last x-rays were clean, but he still had some pain in his wrist. So they're taking it day by day, week by week, not rushing him back, waiting until he's uh, full strength. I think he they see him as Adam Banks right now. Can't can't turn the hockey stick. <laughs> Bombay is sitting him down for another week or so. But the young boy is strong and resilient. He'll be back. In reality, he's playing video games all day or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he is. But yeah, no, I saw that... Uh, I think they said they're reevaluating him Thursday along with uh, Kevon Looney, but yeah, I, like I always, take your time with with Jimmy. I don't, I don't need him rushed back anytime soon to, to react. Yeah, I don't want to wrist or mortgage else. the future for a couple wins against some shitty Eastern Conference teams. So <laughs> he'll be back yeah, soon yeah. enough, but 
in his absence, dude, like Draymond and JTA on this last eight game stretch have been playing pretty unbelievable. I mean, Draymond's averaging 11 and a half assists over the last eight games with like one and a half steals and blocks. JTA is up to 10 points a game, just over six rebounds. So the, these two are definitely finding their stride in, in um, this small ball starting lineup and thing, things are going as well as you could expect. So I'm, yeah, I I'm enjoying they, watching them. They called him a uh, Wandre Iguodala. <laughs> <laughs> Put them both together. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, he's, he's kind of filling that void in a, in a very poor man's way, but um, yeah, I mean, it just credit to those guys that kind of make their way onto a lineup where you would never expect him to make a, an NBA lineup and then let alone like thrive in it. And a local boy, like it's, it's just really cool to see, you know, him actually like playing well, he shoot well. Um, and in a season where I thought we were screwed when, when, when Wiseman and Looney went down, like he really stepped up. And then, like I said, the best way to put it is he like did. a very poor man's, uh, Andre Miguel. <laughs> so I love it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, and I love how, like, humble and surreal everything is to him still. I mean, did you catch that post-game interview he had with uh, Rachel Nichols? <laughs> yeah, she was grilling his ass. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he started off the interview as, like, I, I got to say, I forget what he exact said, but it was something like, I- I'm in awe that you're even asking me a question. Like, I grew up watching you, Rachel, Rachel Nichols. This is crazy. This is my life. And she barked at him, like, all right, like, well, answer, answer. <laughs> so I funny i was like oh shit nichols ain't holding any punches but no. that's the He's kind of stuff it, that man. yeah needs <laughs> those quotes um but i i just love like seeing somebody that's so humble and, and hasn't let anything get to his head and has really grinded out a career that this is the way he acts with all his post-game interviews and stuff it's it's refreshing you know yeah it's it's definitely the bright spot of the season um especially when like so much has been the spotlights have always been on like Ubre and Wiggins, and it's like, yeah, we, we got a good player to root for, and I hope he sticks around. He's on a two way, so they got some decisions to make. I'll guarantee they'll, they'll hold him on and uh, for sure give him a give him a bag. So I, I'm I'm looking forward to it. More to come. Me too. I want yeah, I want him to cash out. And it sounds like everybody's been saying we don't see him as a two way player. Like he he's a permanent member of this team. Yeah, um, and they did it perfectly all- where they. They didn't have to bring him on going into the season. They waived him and then signed him as a two-way, and it's like that was inevitable, and I love it. Yeah, me too. Um, yeah, all, all good things as far as JTA is concerned. Yeah, and then um, <laughs> oh, there's bright spots with the dubs. You know, the one thing I wanted to ask you about was where does Steph lie on your mid-season MVP list? So – on my list, I think he'd be a little bit higher than the national media right now because I think it was uh, something that you had responded to on Twitter, an account by the name of Hoop Central. And most of these accounts actually have him rated pretty similar, uh, similarly, but they all have him as 10. Number 10 in the MVP um, tracker. They have people like, I mean, I know he's on the number one team in the, in the NBA, but they got Rudolph Gobert over him, Paul George, uh, I mean, Dame Lillard. It's just, I don't know. It's crazy to me that they have all these guys over Steph. When if you watch one or two of the Warriors games, you can tell he's the only guy getting us over the hump on any of these teams. He's doing pretty much everything himself on the offensive end. Man, and I was st- so mad looking at that list. <laughs> yeah. 
it's unbelievable. Like it's still crazy to me how much little, how little respect he gets, whether it's in the game from the refs, not getting any calls, taking it to the rim or on fucking Twitter, getting dogged out by these accounts. And like, I'm assuming I'm just going to say like it's a hundred percent due to the record. Um, I mean, you right. look at the top five, they're all top three in their, in their respective conferences with like Jokic, Embiid, James, Giannis, Kawhi. Like, if you're going to do it solely off record and then staff second, like by all means, but you know, Steph is <laughs> pretty much putting up equal to, if not better, numbers than his unanimous year. Granted, you know, the, the league evolves and things like that, but the, t- the Warriors would be piss poor bottom of the league if he is playing at the rate that people think he is so bad at. Like, he's playing out of his mind. He's by far the most fun person to watch. That's bias aside, a little bit of bias. Yep. But, yeah, I mean, he's, he's the reason why this team – can score 100 points <laughs> like <laughs> plain and simple he's the only buddy doing yeah he's the only guy doing it and i yeah. believe he's shooting 50 40 90 again so like he's not just doing it he's doing it efficiently yeah it's it's i would love to know why they think the second player like ad is great i just don't think he's more important to that level team. right now yeah it's it's they're, totally they're playing agree. with their foot off the gas. Like, I get the LeBron narrative. It's year 18. He has three kids, um, <laughs> all that shit. But, like, it's just for, some, for a player who's so well-loved around the league, like, from a fan base perspective, mm-hmm. he's just hated so much, both at, like, the top 10, like, the, the league history standpoint, as well as just this year's MVP. It's but at the same time, they're just talking about how good he's playing. So it's 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 so fucking annoying, though. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you said, the, the top five on that list, I think, are pretty solidified. You're not he's not going to jump anybody on the on the top five of that list. Jokic and Embiid, LeBron, Giannis, or Kawhi. That makes sense to me. But then when you start seeing the guy, other people that are ahead of him, even Paul George is having a great year. But you can't tell me Paul George is more important to the Clips than than Steph is to the Warriors. So Paul George. Rudy Gobert, Dame, like uh, AD. I see Steph ahead of them, but clearly we're we're watching a different game than everybody else, right? The Rudy Gobert stuff drives me nuts because, like, I just can't f- root for a man that openly cried on television because he didn't make a team and spread coronavirus to the whole league. And just in general, like you put him against put him against any other like top center, they eat his lunch every single time. He's yeah. He's good defensively. He's good on the Jazz. We'll talk about the Jazz a little bit later. But if you're going to pick a Jazz player to give the MVP to, you have to give it to Donovan. And I don't mm-hmm. see Gobert. I don't purposely say his name incorrectly. I don't see him <laughs> on anything else but Hoop Central. So that could just be them for some reason being on the Rudy Gobert train. But I'm always thinking, like, imagine being a fan of his. <laughs> like, you Outside of being from, like, his – Outside of being from France, like imagine being like, damn, dude, this is Rudy Gobert's year to just really take the league by storm. This fucking suck. Yeah, I would never want to let that be my primary player that I'm rooting for. Never. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, he fucking stinks, man. Um, yeah, not good. But yeah, I would have Steph probably somewhere between like six and eight if we're being realistic. How much weight do you put the record? on like your um, decision in my mind i've always 
trying to look at MVP. Like if your team is doing well, that obviously helps your case. But I've always looked at it like if they take you off your team, how is that team going to do? How valuable are you to what, even if it's a little, the success that your team is having? Yeah. So I, I've always thought that like, yeah, I mean, when they gave Steph his first MVP, a lot of people said they, they gave it to the best player on the best team, right? Yeah. That, that's how so. some people look at the award. Some years, I guess that kind of makes sense when it's a little bit more neck and neck, but I think you got to look at the whole picture and, and exactly what that player is contributing to that. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And I think like a lot of the times the record will come with uh, the rightful MVP. And like, I've got no problem with like, Le- I guess I'm like my prediction, LeBron's going to win it. And I have no problem with that. I have no problem with Embiid or Jokic, but yeah, I just think the fact that they're talking about how well he's playing, but at the same time, putting him at the bottom 10 of an MVP race. Right. It's just like it. I hope it's just for clicks or I hope it's just for the record. But like when Russ won his MVP, that they're like they finished seventh in the West. And right. Granted, he averaged a triple double, but Steph's on pace to potentially average like 34, 35 a game if he keeps this up. So exactly. In my mind, he's got to be higher, but yeah. I don't know. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind seeing him sneak one out though. That'd be sick. They're number one in the East right now, right? Philly. I think they still got the number one spot. He's playing out of his mind. I think he's averaging what like 28 and 12 or something like that. Yeah, he's playing so I, I'm really enjoying uh, I love jo- Joel and B too. I love to watch him play. He's hilarious. He used to be great on Twitter. I think he really toned that down, but yeah, yeah I, I thought it was just had a pure anger and just like depression almost. Like he just is no longer <laughs> a fun player because he's like hating life in Philly, but <laughs> they just took, you know, you had to get rid of wet brown and uh yep. and <laughs> he's got a little coach that knows he's doing. And a little curry magic. Yeah. Man. Might have something to do I with hope it he too. Keeps this shit up. Yeah, um, me too. Well yeah, speaking of more dubs, you gotta check in on your baby boy. Last week you predicted that he'd average I don't know, like 25 a game just absurd stats. At least I thought they were absurd. And the G League bubble opened up this week, and Jordan Poole's the man. He's fucking killing it. He's put He's up like 25, it. 32. Um, yep. I've tried to tune in to see him play, and like I said, going into the bubble, like I, I miss him on the dubs. <laughs> Same here. It's fun to watch. I mean, the, the team itself isn't like doing great. They're one and three. It's still early, but in a setting like this, when you're developing players, you don't necessarily need to see wins materialize, or at least not all of them need to be wins. You want to see growth and development. And watching him, I've, I've watched a few of the games already. I mean, he looks fucking smooth. They're playing him off the ball mostly. They, they've got uh, Jeremy Lin and, and Nico Mannion kind of whole, uh, running the ball and, and playing the point. But Poole's looking good, man. The shot's looking pretty decent. He's, he's getting to the rim. He's got moves around the rim. He's finishing. He looks confident. He looks like he knows he's the number one guy on the team, which is what you want in this scenario. Like like you mentioned, he's averaging 25 a game already. He's third in the league in three-pointers made with 14. He's number two in the league with points per game. So, so far, so good. Keep our fingers crossed. Hopefully no, you know, hiccups or he doesn't get banged up or anything. But so far, he's playing well. Yeah, I think, first of all, I, I – 
they can lose every single game and I would not care as long as, like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like you yeah. said, it, it's only the players really care about the winning it as they should. But like, as a fan of the Warriors, like you just want to see progress and improvement exactly. and Manium's looking good. I, like for a, a late sleeper second round, I was not high on him, but I mean, he's looking very good. He's looking very good. It, it, it helps having Jeremy Lin who's just clearly a veteran um, it could yeah. be and should be on an NBA team um, after this. Um, cool. But yeah, pull off the ball is – he's nice. He he knows how to move around. He's a very good finisher around the rim. And if mm-hmm. his shot's going, he makes him so deadly. And it's going right now. So He's slippery too. Yeah. Getting over screens and fighting for the ball. Like he, he's playing well. And uh, like you mentioned, Mannion. Mannion's having a pretty good start too. He's averaging 21 a game. He's sixth in the league in assists per game at 6.3. So him playing on the ball has been working. He's been heating up as of late too, um, kind of figuring it out a little bit more. His shot's going down. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's great to see. Boys are, are looking nice and developing uh, swimmingly, I'm hoping. So let's hope this is the last trip down for Jordan Poole. Yeah, that was that was the thing about Manning. His all his thing always in Arizona was just like just a bad shooter. Um, mm-hmm. Like his point guard skill set has always been there. Can handle the ball really well. And great passer, good vision. Um, yeah. I I didn't realize how bouncy he is. Oh yeah, <laughs> he, <laughs> he does. And it's funny. Yeah. I heard that interview with him pre-draft. Um, he was talking with I think Mike Schmitz, uh, who does all the film breakdown with the new guys and. He was like, are you tired of hearing people define you as sneaky bouncy? <laughs> and he was like, uh, yeah, I mean, I can prove I can jump and bang on people. So, yeah, I don't know why people keep saying sneaky. I guess it's because I'm white. <laughs> My bad. But yeah, Nico, you go. you're 6'2", <laughs> and, and you got red hair. You're always going to be sneaky bouncy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's a playmaker. If he, if he gets that shot to be consistent, he, he, things are looking nice for him. Going to get a little stronger, too. He's tiny. Yeah, he can be one of those, like, scrappy little backup guards. Um, yeah yeah but i'll tell you what i love having him in the warrior system at 19 20 years old like he's got room to grow and we don't need him to be here right away so he's got some time those are always great though those kind of players where it's like outside of maybe uh james michael mcadoo those players that go like projected lottery and Mm -hmm. like fall whether it's in his case like he fell like with the 40s yeah. Um, it means there's something there. You just got to have the right system and organization to tap into it. And what better system and organization than the Warriors to learn from staff, you know, in this case, play with Jeremy Lin. Like he's got good people around him. So I think he's going to really tap into the potential that people saw in him. Mm-hmm. And like you said, it's a, it's a long-term play and that's what you want with like a 19 year old second rounder. So. Exactly. And his pops played in the league. You've always got to love a kid where their, their parent, played professionally because they're they get that gene in them they just kind of know how to act it's not it's not new it's not a surprise it's just kind of business as usual so yeah, gotta like that son. too <laughs> he is he is that crazy red I, hair but i googled jordan pool and you know the little section where it says people also ask uh-huh. the first one is people also ask is jordan pool good <laughs> <laughs> Direct those people to my Twitter, please. Yeah. Answer. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, Michigan man. So going back to last night's game, the mm. big news today was um, Draymond had a little presser where he went on this. It's great that like Draymond's 
like very vocal, but he's also very like smart with what he's saying. Um, yeah. And he keeps having these little monologues where he refuses to answer questions and he just like comes out with this statement and walks off. And yesterday's statement pretty much was in reference to Andre Drummond, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He, mm-hmm. um, they're kind of dicking Drummond around where they want to trade him. They want to buy him out. They don't really know. So they decided just to like full on, like put street clothes on. You're not playing another game. And Draymond was just like, A, this is fucked up. B, like, you can't be doing that to players and then turning on them when they want to go to a better situation. Um, At the end of it all, he's just like, this this double standard needs to change and, like, player empowerment needs to be a thing and you guys can't be treating the players like they're bad and then expect them to get in shape and do this and that on a new team. Uh, But in the instance, like, they have no problem training with him. And it's been longest narrative you know obviously the isaiah thomas a couple years back was a big one um every year there's someone but yeah i mean credit to draymond for going out and saying it um but yeah yeah i mean you could tell everybody across the league on twitter everything was like thank you like i love this guy keep talking keep saying keep talking your shit like thank you for for being our voice everyone is very uh thankful for him for what he's saying. I mean, he's speaking for the whole league, all the players. It's a player's league. He's speaking for them. It, it is a double standard. I mean, yeah. he talked about how much James Harden got shitted on. <laughs> and James Harden, <laughs> James Harden didn't handle it the best, and James Harden actually came out and admitted that. He was like, I don't think it. I handled it as, as well or as most professional as I could have. But, you know, what's done is done. It's the past. But for all these writers and everybody to go in on him so badly – and then you see what's going on with Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin. Like the teams can pull the strings whenever they want. Like you're not playing. Yeah, you are. You're on the block. No, you're not. But if a player is growing tired of his situation, he's a cancer. So a situation they didn't want to be in. They traded his ass to fucking Cleveland. They traded Blake Griffin to Detroit. Like exactly. What do you expect? Organizations stink. You can't expect someone to get traded to a shitbag organization in the middle of nowhere after giving so much to it like to a team and it's and then Draymond's point was like and then you expect him to be in shape be positive and the yeah. second they want to get out they're a cancer now I will say Drummond could have opted out of his contract but you don't do that in a pandemic you don't do that when your option is 28 million dollars like exactly we saw what happens with not to say that it's similar, but Nerland's bet on himself and he's oh Jesus scratching the yeah. claw to get on a on a lineup sometimes. But yeah, I mean it's I I hate it. I think players, you know, just can pull a Paul George and just ask nicely and get traded. Um like Drummond will get traded, Blake Griffin will get traded, but yeah, at the end of the day, like I, I hope Draymond continues this as like the vocal, not give a fuck leader, obviously for the Warriors, but now for the league. Yeah. Um, and like, I'm all for them coming back at the media. Like, I, they're, they're the whole like cancer thing is just so fucking annoying and, and, and just washed. I'm so sick of it. So, yeah, me too. <laughs> it's just, it's unfair. Like, there's so much that goes into it. It's just so unfair to label a guy that quickly off one or two incidents in a situation he doesn't even want to be in. And he has 17 big men. Like, what the fuck do you expect? Like, he's not playing as he's not playing as much as he wants. Like, he doesn't want to get hurt, obviously, because that affects that 
he's in a contract year. So it's, it's like, I'm glad that he's not playing for the betterment of his next position, but to make it sound like he's just like bad egg in a locker room and, and this and that, and like, no. And then it's hurting his value as a prospect. Right. It's just like, have a mutual understanding. Like, this is not where I need to be. Like it's, it's, it's a business. Like you don't have to be there, and, but don't fucking dog him for it. So. Yeah. But it looks like there, uh, there's some teams that are rumored for a Drummond landing spot. I think the one that kind of looks the um, most enticing was uh, Toronto. Yeah. From the ones that I've seen. So the ones um, that I saw with that are like Toronto, Boston, Brooklyn, the Lakers, and I may have been in it. But yeah. I don't know how much the Lakers would like realistically be in on it. I don't know how they'd be able to make that work money wise. Um, same with Brooklyn. I don't know how Brooklyn would be able to absorb, excuse me, absorb that contract. Um, I mean, I think they kind of sh- shipped off all their middle of the road contract guys that would be able to stack up and equal whatever he's making. Um, but Toronto seems like it'd be a pretty interesting landing spot. They're right around five hundred. Um, I think they're really just kind of missing one or two pieces to take that next jump. And he's definitely an upgrade over Aaron Baines. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I personally don't see, I think the, the Raptors are kind of in a weird position in general. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think Drummond's the answer. I think unfortunately they're, they're betting big on, on Pascal and he's having a bad year and yeah, it's like, a little late for him. Fleet's playing, playing pretty well, and granted, he had like 54 the other night. Van Fleet's still kind of a very, very, very good starting point guard, but not your number one offensive guy. And Right. And I don't think Drummond's going to do much for them. Definitely won't put him into contention. We'll, bear, we'll keep him kind of in the mix. But, yeah, I want to see him go to Boston if I had to choose. Um, mm. I think that has been one that Boston's always been kind of flirting with of like, how do we get a big man, whether it's like Miles Turner or Drummond. And I think Boston would take the biggest leap with him. I think the Nets would get him through a buyout if they were to buy him out. But yeah, you're totally right about the contract stuff. But yeah, yeah, I, I think he has too much Boston. value to, yeah, I think he has too much value to get uh, bought out right now. Yeah. Um, but Boston would be a cool landing spot. It would definitely be an upgrade center for them. I'm imagining they would have to move one or two guys <clears throat> to clear up that space. Yeah, you um, can trade but over like Grant Williams and Time Lord. Go over Time Lord. But yeah, I, man, I don't know why I'm team Andre Drummond, but <laughs> I like Andre Drummond. Drummond. I've heard him in a, a few interviews too. He seems like a pretty cool guy. And I, I mean, he's always played, played pretty good ball, cleans up yeah. the glass every year. So I, I fuck with Andre Drummond. Yeah, and then the other one sort of in that same world is Blake Griffin. So he kind of got a similar treatment, but with not the um, negative context behind it. But he's essentially officially no longer playing for the Pistons. They're going to – I don't think he has much of a trade market. I think they're going to – he's going to be a buyout. Um, But I also don't – I also don't know where he would go. Like, I don't know where his game fits – um, <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. I don't know where it fits, and he just makes so much fucking money right now. It's, so much money. it's he makes thirty six million dollars this year, like, and 
I feel like if where like who who where are they going to turn to to get value back? I mean, I'm I'm imagining Detroit's going to have to package some picks to get rid of his salary or what have you. But hopefully they'll get something in return and they can just get younger and continue to start over. They have Jeremy Grant, who you, you picked for your most improved player of the year. Um, they're obviously running the offense through him. They gave him a pretty big bag. He's making like 20 mil. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think that's who they want to build around for the immediate future. But I don't, I don't even know where he would go, where he would fit in money-wise, to be honest with you. Yeah, money-wise, he fits in nowhere. Um, mm-hmm. Like, he's kind of stuck there. But, like, I think his team's going to work pretty hard to get him out. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, I don't give a fuck about money, dude. Just put me on a team where I'm relevant again. Mm-hmm. Um, I was kind of playing some 2K and running through scenarios on where Blake Griffin would fit well. Um, this is without Ooh. any knowledge of rumors. Uh-huh. What do you got? Like, I think it'd be fun in Charlotte. That's one that came to mind. Ooh. Um, Catching lobs from Mello. Yeah, I think he can. I think they can always beef up their inside um, if they want to sort of be a playoff team. He brings like good veteran leadership. Um, and now he can kind of spread the floor. Um, other than that, dude, like, He's such an old school type player now where he's, I think they said he hasn't, he hasn't recorded a dunk since like 2019, which is insane. No way. Really? Yeah. He hasn't dunked the ball since 2019 and all people know about him is fucking dunking the ball. So yeah. Says something. All he does is shoot threes. He's kind of turned into, uh, I don't even know what you want to call it, but like he good ball. Like I guess he's a better ball handler, chucks up threes and good passer and a leader, but yeah, decent enough playmaker, but. I don't know. I think wherever he goes, he's going to have to take a step back to what his role is now and what his role has been in the past, where he's like the top one or two guys on the offensive end to go to. I don't, I don't, I think those days are behind him. Um, so if he could find a place where he could fit in as like the fifth guy, or I don't know if he's going to have to come off the bench. I don't know if that's asking too much for Blake, but either way, his role is going to have to be seriously reconsidered on his new, new landing spot. I mean, his role is diminished in Detroit. Like, their, right. their offense was running through Jeremy Grant, Derrick Rose, and Josh Jackson, I guess. I don't really know. Like, right. But, I mean, like, yeah, he, he's I mean, he's averaging 12 a game this year. He's played. He's barely played this year, right? Well, like, what's his, his games played? Games. But minutes per game? Uh, 31. Oh, that's actually higher than I thought it would be. Yeah, so he, he's playing. He's just – that he's not, not using him much. Well. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, because like, I mean, we watched him when they played the Dubs. He he didn't do shit really. No, he didn't at all. I was yeah. surprised. So, so yeah, I don't know if it's because he doesn't might, have it. I just think yeah, I think he's hurt. He's old mm-hmm. as shit. His body is not used to. His body's not what it was. Um, I think he has to take a bench role if he wants to play on a contender. Um, yeah, that's what it's going to come down to. Kind of fun. But that'd be cool back with Chris Paul. Yeah, definitely getting lobs. <laughs> yeah, those those days might be over him jumping over people and and ca- catching lobs every other play. But yeah, his his jumper looks good enough the past year and a half that maybe he'll be able to blend. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, he shoots thirty mm-hmm. percent from the three, which is not amazing, but good for a stretch four, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think so. Um, um, other news that came out, did you see 
the Nets added uh, added some death off the bench. The Nets were able to sign Andre Roberson, former uh, Oklahoma City Thunder, kind of like a three and D guy, but can't shoot the three. <laughs> so I guess he's yeah. uh, he's just a defender, really, which is what they need. They need versatile defenders with depth off the bench. So they were able to uh, get him on a on a minimum contract that because he was bought out. So I think that's a good move for for Brooklyn. Yeah, they're. Uh... I don't know how he's played and bounced back since that like bad injury he had two years ago, but if he's anything like, I mean, his, his mindset's still there. So if he's anything like what he was in Oklahoma city, like that's a very good pickup. And I expect the Nets to be very active in the buyout market. Um, Scratching and clawing to get someone over six foot seven. That's not Durant. Yeah. They, (laughs) they already, they already picked up Noah Vonley. So that was num- I think that was that was a uh, move number one, and now Andre Roberson is number two. So we'll see. Like you said, I think they should be making more moves in the near future. They got to beef up that bench as as good as they are offensively. They stink on the defensive end, and that's where they're going to need all the help. Yeah. Last uh, trade question, and we'll talk about mm. this stuff. But where do you want to see Lonzo? <laughs> um. I saw an interesting um, take the other day where somebody said they'd like to see Lonzo get shipped to the Bulls um, in a in a deal that includes Levine. Um, so I guess you would technically have Lonzo and Kobe White in your backcourt, which kind of makes sense. I don't know; it doesn't really do too much for me. But you got Kobe White as a shooter; they're both kind of on the bigger side. They both Lonzo's the defender. He's also a distributor. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if that's even going to happen, but where, where, where do you see Lonzo yeah, going? I, or where do you I want like to see him in, I like him in Chicago if it's not for Levine. Um, playing next to Levine. Yeah. If he's playing next to Levine, I like him in Chicago. If he's getting swiped for, swapped for Levine, <laughs> we're um, back to where they started. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much better that's going to make the Bulls. That's more just getting out of Levine than getting something in return. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. I, I, I think Lonto's tricky because he's going to be asking for a lot, I feel like. And he's so like up and down and you just don't really know what you're going to get out of him, especially on the offensive end. Yeah. Um, he's so inconsistent. Yeah. Chicago would be cool though. If they can put him with Levine, um, Maybe they can get off like Laurie marketing or something like that, but move on from one of those bigs. I don't yeah. think those two bigs are working together as much as they tried it. No, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. Um, other news I saw today was D'Angelo Russell's out. Uh, he's going to have arthroscopic. How do you say it? Ar- arthia- arthroscopic? Arthroscopic surgery on his knee. He's got <laughs> to clean out some stuff in his knees. So he's going to be out four to six weeks. Um, Minnesota stinks. I mean, they've, they've been terrible all year, so I'm assuming this isn't really killing them too much. It's just annoying because I don't know about you, but I really want to see him and Cat on the floor together. Um, and him and Carl Anthony Towns have played five games together since they've both been in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. So this is uh, with Cat just getting back from all the COVID protocol now. It's, it's a bummer to see D'Angelo go out for an extended period of time. Um, but I imagine this is just going to help them with their odds of keeping their first round pick that's supposed to be coming to us that's coming here. Yeah. I, uh, big D'Angelo fan. It's, 
it must be tough to be a T-Wolves fan, man. But oh, you know, man. I've always want. they've played a few games. They've only played five together this season or in general? Uh, I believe since he's gotten there. Damn. Which That's was insane. what, last year, uh, last right year before the play. trade? Yeah, trade oh, yeah, uh, deadline. Season cut down. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they didn't go to the bubble. Yeah. I mean, the T-Wolves have so many problems with them. And the last thing you want is health. But, yeah, it's it's a tough one. I think the T-Wolves just need to shut it down and let the young ones, like, develop. It's the only thing you can ask for. Like, just give t- – cat a year off or whatever he wants to do man i feel so bad for carl <laughs> yeah i just I want him so to be like okay and happy like yeah. on a personal emotional spiritual level i just feel bad for the dude he's gone through so much this year every inter- interview every interview he's just like the fuck you want to hear from me man like <laughs> yeah i'm not the same person i was anymore how many family yeah. members did he lose to covid like five five to seven and then he got covid then he broke yeah. his wrist like he's yeah his mom fucking died from covid that was like when the beginning when the outbreak first started so mm-hmm. he's had a rough go um hoping things turn around for him but as far as this season goes like you mentioned i'm just hoping they give all those minutes to ant man let yeah. him get the experience and work it out on the court before those two get back next year and then the warriors pick is a t- it's top three protected so Correct. we need them to play a little bit better if we want to have a little bit more comfort with that pick. <laughs> yes. If not, I believe it turns into, is it unprotected the year after something like that? Yeah. Which is not as deep of the draft. This coming year is supposed to be deep, deep. So, yeah. So maybe the Warriors kind of see them shit in the bed and like put that that pick on the market and get them off their, uh, their case. Yeah. Could be. I wouldn't hate it, but I'd also love a, you know, fifth overall pick, but. <laughs> Hopefully the ping pong balls bounce in our favor, not Minnesota's. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll keep an eye on it. I'm sure most Warriors fans are. Yep. Um, um, so, yeah. I had, I had one more uh, shout out I wanted to give. Um, wanted to give a shout out to fellow Reardon graduate and alumni, Bryce Monroe who is balling right now. He is a freshman this year at Sam Houston State, D1 school. Um, played at played at, uh, played at Reardon last year, point guard. I believe he – I don't know if he won WCL Player of the Year, but he was in the conversation for sure. Um, and he's really playing his ass off as a freshman on this, on this uh, team. He's averaging like nine and a half points a game this year, playing about 20 minutes a game which is huge for a freshman. Um, and just the other night in a, in a win over Southeast Louisiana, he dropped 26 points, four assists, and went four for six from, uh, from the three. So give a shout-out to Bryce. You're making Reardon look good, putting the name on the map. Keep it up. Lo- love to see it. Oh, yeah. That's always great seeing um, fellow Crusaders kill it in the, uh, at the next level. And, yeah, he's on that team that was – one of the f- most fun teams I've watched play in, in some time and their season got cut short due to the pandemic. Um, yep. They were state so bound. Yeah. yeah, they were. And I don't know if he finished, I don't know if he was getting the WCL play of the year, but he was definitely first team if, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, I think so. So yeah, credit to him. Keep it up, man. Like love seeing the tiny guys win too. Yeah, he can't be yeah. he can't be taller than like five nine five ten, and he 
he's a hooper. So shifty little guy. Yeah. Shouts to him. Cool. And uh, we're gonna keep our eyes on him. Keep giving everybody updates because he deserves it, man. Shout out to Bryce. Oh yeah. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to talk about in the world of the NBA is mm. your Utah Jazz. I don't know why I said your, but the, <laughs> yes, uh, everybody knows my favorite team, <laughs> the Jazz Flutes. Um, mm-hmm. So the Utah Jazz. We talked about Rudy Gobert earlier, but they are arguably the best team in the not only the West but in the league right now. They've won yes. what. 16 of the last 17. Um, yeah, the they're, exact numbers, they're, but. they're sitting at 23 and five right now. They haven't mm-hmm. lost. Uh, shit. They haven't lost a game since, man, uh, mid January, maybe. Yeah. They're, they're on a good run. Um, yeah, January 31st is the last time they lost a game. Um, and their team just like fits well together. They're clicking. They kind of they kind of cover all their bases as far as like what they need their guys to do. Donovan Mitchell's having a great year. Uh, I hate to give props to Rudolph Gobert, but I mean he's cleaning the glass as usual. Thirteen boards a game, two point eight blocks. When you got him standing in the middle, although he does get his lunch eaten quite a bit, he can be a difference maker as well, especially on the defensive end. Um, and Clarkson, dude, off the bench, eighteen a game. Coming off the bench, yeah. and he has he like fully, yeah, he did, and he's fully accepted the role of like six man, and he's come out and said it like, "This is what I what I want to do now. I want to become like a Lou Will or, you know, any respected guy six man that comes off the bench." Manu, he mentioned Manu, mm-hmm. so I think that's half the battle with becoming like a, a solid solid bench scorer too. Is is taking a step back and accepting like, all right, I'm not going to be starting, but I'm going to impact the game as soon as I step on the floor. Yeah. Clark's he's, doing leaning, that. he's leaning into it, averaging 18, playing 26 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he's, he's just a perfect player for a six man role and I'm glad that he opted into it and is, is thriving. Um, yeah. yeah I mean, I've been watching little highlights of them here and there and Shouts to the to Quinn Snyder because they move the ball in such a like a perfect way. Like there's some clips where they are every player touching touching the ball like twice almost. Yeah. Um and they're just they beat the shit out looks. of the Warriors with that stuff. Yeah, they get open looks, they make their shots, they're shooting very well, getting Boyan back. He's been playing really well. Yep. My uh my now, I guess my favorite player on the team is Royce O'Neal. Um, <laughs> I like Rolls Royce O'Neal, he's nice. He's got the strongest Twitter name, Buckets O'Neal. Um, Ooh, his man. basketball reference nickname is Big Meal, which is just Big Meal, Big Meal O'Neal. Like, wow, he's <laughs> unbelievable nickname. Yeah, just a strong player. He's playing very well. He's shooting the ball well. He's stretching the floor, and he's good defensively. Um, he's kind of like the X factor that a team like that needs. I'll say all that to say this: they're still going to get bounced in the second round. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't matter how they're playing now. They're still going to yeah. be this age is jazz when it comes to the playoffs. I don't see them making it past second round. What do you think? No. I think if they get the if they stick the if they hold on to the first um seed, which they very well could. I mean, the Lakers are, you know, 80s out for a couple more weeks. Um they're going to mm-hmm. take him slow. They are going to take their foot off the gas assuming it's like Utah one of the two LA teams in Denver, 
they get Denver in the second round, that there's no way they beat the Jazz. I think yeah, get it's Keaton's lunch every time. We'll get a little rematch of last year in the bubble. Um, yep. Yeah, I, I just think the Jazz, they're a good season, regular season team. Um, I love watching Don Mitchell play. He's playing really well, but yep, center position in some of the teams in the West, they just can't hold it. <laughs> they just can't hold their own against the Jokic's of the world. Yeah. But they are there. They we they deserve for us to give them their due. And yeah, thirteen and two at home. They don't lose when they're in Utah for the most part. They're they're playing uh, playing really well. Because they got fans, man. They cheat. Okay. <laughs> you can have those fans, those Utah yeah, fans. I don't want, I don't want any part of that. <laughs> yeah, and I guess like and last night they played the the Sixers, but and B didn't play. So granted, right. Benny Boy had what forty points or something like that. He went off, but. No one beats a big difference. So uh, we'll keep it on the Diaz flutes. Um, people are talking highly about them. I'm very negative about them just because I don't like the Jazz and I don't yeah, think they'll get out of the second round. So we're, we're cautious about the Utah Jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They are who we thought they were. <laughs> all along. <laughs> um, so that's all I got about hoops. You want to get into some fun stuff? Yeah, absolutely. Um, there was a uh, anniversary. This past weekend, and it wasn't you know, mine. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, it's been uh, five years uh, since Kanye released "The Life of Pablo," one of my favorite albums in the last five years, no question. Um, and yeah, saw that saw that it was uh, the five year anniversary, and just figured we should come on here and talk about it. Um, one of our one of our buddies, shout out Joey Curtin, the young OG, tweeted me over the weekend. Saw that there was a it was going around. What's your, what's your top three songs on the album? So got me thinking, texted you like, Hey, we should run through this thing and recap and just kind of give our thoughts on the album, when it was released, how it was released, uh, all that stuff. So I guess we'll start with asking you, what are your uh, top three favorite songs on the life of Pablo? You know, the, I gave it a nice spin today and there's some obvious ones, um, but I do have some sneakers in there just to kind of stay true to myself. Um, but I would say the top three songs that I have, no particular order, um, is Ultralight Beam, Father Stretch My Hands, and Waves. Yeah, those are tough to argue with. Those are all like very, very popular off that album. Great songs. Those all make it into my rotation of top threes as well. Those are great picks. Are there uh, other ones that you were considering on that top three? Yeah, and like I mentioned when I was uh, tweeting over the weekend, the top three for for T-Lop for me constantly rotates. Like I was able to kind of fall in love with different parts of this album over time. So (laughs) for for sure, those, those three songs rotate for me. But at this exact moment, I would say, uh, Father Stretch My Hands, part one. That's number one for me. Like, I fucking love that song. I, I stand by. I think that's like the best first minute and 20 seconds uh, of, of a Kanye song in a while, for sure. Right before Any he gets song. to the bleach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right, right before he gets to the bleached asshole part, like up into that, it's like the perfect song. <laughs> um, but that's number one for me. Um, and then Feedback is on my list big fan of feedback um 
love the the end where where he turns into ghetto Oprah. You get a you get a fur big booty bitch for you. Woo! Yeah, that's when he kind of starts busting out his like ah like a screech that he does. Yes, yeah. which I fucking love. It's it's a fantastic ad lib that he goes to. Yeah. Um, but feedbacks on mine, and then the last one right now in my rotation would probably be thirty hours. I feel like in <laughs> I feel like in thirty hours he really got to the most like bars. He was really like rapping, rapping. Um, yeah. you could tell he like wrote his verses. It it was just like he was really really coming off the top um big fan of that one yeah there's like, like the, the one-liners like, in that song smoothie movie <laughs> i feel like it's a classic correct on that one too with 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 three stacks taking him out yeah um also a sneaky great part in that song he just calls out <laughs> three stacks where are you 30 hours, 30 hours. <laughs> he just calls him in on like four different occasions hey three stacks <laughs> he starts singing harmonizing uh, the best about that album and like i'll just start by saying like that was will kind of go back to like the day when it was announced like one of the most hyped fucking albums i've ever lived through outside of maybe like get richard die trying or something like that like the way that he like teased out the album and then like pulled it back and then like edited it through release and then it was only on title like i had to get on i had to like Pay yeah. the title for a month just to listen to it. So, losing my mind as a lowly SDR a couple years back. Like <laughs> I did the same thing. Had the title yeah. subscription. Um, but yeah, he made it a, like, a living album. Yeah, which I'm always trying to find out when he like adds to it or not. But um, the the features on it, you don't know really who's on it unless you really go into like the credits and which I, I love like, by the way. I love a great time. I listen to it. I feel like I pick up someone new. <laughs> Me too. Um, and yeah, it just it just flows. Every song is short enough. Um, mm-hmm. It's got a good just like mix of like like you said with like the thirty hours, just like him flowing versus um, his like crazy ass Kanye shit. Um, right and then like with wolves you got like the artsy fartsy type kanye where he's dude, making like I, a masterpiece on the record you know dude i was i had wolves in my honorable mention just because like once like big mensa then sia gets on that that little snippet part is so fucking cool and then it ends if you want to lump it in there with um frank frank ocean just taking him out like that is yeah yeah, like, I, I like that song a lot. And I don't know if you remember, but they performed that on the SNL 40th anniversary and they were all laying on their back. <laughs> and everybody was like, what the fuck's going on? Kanye had on like the Sub-Zero contacts. Um, yeah. Great performance though. Great song. I love Wolves. That, that's on top for me too. Um, Ultra Light Beam was a great one. That, that makes my rotation quite, quite often. Um, I'm really glad that they made that song before Chance got married. <laughs> i'm really glad he wasn't talking that i love my wife shit on that song because that song's great and he his verse was fantastic yeah um yeah that i love uh the, the swiss beats ad-libs in uh famous that's sneaky one of my favorite parts in the album the god damn talk that talk <laughs> those are those are some of my favorite parts of that one for sure um, my favorite part of that song is just the intro. Swiss told me about the beat rock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell Swiss about the beat rock. Yeah, the Swiss beats ad libs in that song are unbeatable. Um, yeah. Freestyle 4 constantly is in my top three as well. 
That's one of my favorites. He just made designer look like the sickest rapper for that. Like I felt so stupid. I thought he was future. The first time I heard the album, I think we all did. Yeah. You got future on this shit. No, it's young Brooklyn rapper designer. Dude, him on father stretch my hands, him on freestyle for like just the perfect, like, I don't know. I, I love that kind of music and he is the perfect sound for those types of songs. Yeah, and I fucking hate designer outside of those two songs. He's the most obnoxious, <laughs> just terrible. Just you don't like oh, him man. screaming the <laughs> hey designer, what day is it? <laughs> like, all right, dog. I said, let's see what day is it, man? Right. <laughs> yeah, like, he's ridiculous. It's um, man. Shit. <laughs> yeah, he showed up great on that album. Um, yeah, freestyle four, four is like such a weird, like creepy. Kanye's on some like weirdo yeah. scumbag shit. What are we fuck right now? What are we yeah, fuck right we, in this middle of the dinner party? <laughs> we fuck this Vogue party. <laughs> Would everybody stop fucking? Everybody fucking. Yeah. Yeah, that's one Another of my favorites. Fuck with that was added late was, um, and I don't know why. I just think the baseline is so fire is uh, Fade. Um, oh, not not a weird song. Not a weird yeah. selection at all. That song's great. And that one's one of the earlier songs that came out as well. He's like, Sneak peek to that as one of his many uh, Yeezy fashion shows. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, oh. hearing that and I was just like, damn, is that Post Malone? Is that fucking and it's, got that, <laughs> and it's got that great beat that. Dun, yeah. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. It's a great song to work out to. Also, I like you said, say, I was sprinting down Pole Street back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did a lot of clicks <laughs> to that song. Um, but that was Post Malone's first feature. Like that wasn't his own song. Yeah. And it, he came out on Fade, tied all sign, crushed it. Um, a lot of great tight all sign just kind of wrapped around this album. Um, he was fantastic on Real Friends. I was listening to Real Friends today. Yeah, I was like, man, I, I wish Dollar Sign would be like the new voice for Alexa, even <laughs> if he like sing like would sing stuff to me because even the way he sings stuff, like it, it just sounds fantastic. Oh, so man. I, I would love that idea for the intro song. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no more I parties mean, my, in LA. Another another great song on there. Yeah, I I had to go back to ways. I think that song for me, like, I think that's my number one song on the album. And Waves. Yeah, it's just one of those that like. It's the Chris Brown hook for me. <laughs> <laughs> I just like I don't know, bro. Like I'm not like the most musical person, but when I throw that like on a loud speaker and like headphones, like. Yeah. I, I legit get lost in that shit like I'm fucking Jamie Foxx and Soul. Like, I'm it's a like, great song. Especially <laughs> when the, lose the beat first hits and you hear the sample. Tonio! Yeah. 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 It, it, that, that one's great. Um, but yeah, the, the, the track list grew, I think, like four songs after he initially put it out. He kept tweaking it. I yeah. think he put in like a couple random interludes. Um, he tacked on facts at the end of it. Which, by the way, that song fucking stinks out loud. I can't stand facts. Skip it every time. I skipped it. Was that the one where he was talking about? Uh... It's about like the shoe sales and yeah, fuck, like fuck yeah, it's like his dude. Nike diss song. Which yeah, you just sound kind of corny, dude. People are not gonna wear. Yeah, I don't know. It was whack. Yeah. Um, Saint Pablo. He tacked that one up on. I think that was the very last song he added. That's the one mm-hmm. that has the uh, "Where I'm From" sample. Yeah. Um, it's okay. Still not one of my favorites, but. All in all, one of my favorite Kanye albums, I would say. Yeah, it's one of those that, like, 
I feel like collectively people are like, eh, it's top heavy and like, but like kind of going back to it, it's, I think for me, it ranks number two. Um, Ooh, and I know what your number one is too. So, yeah. wow. Yeah. I, and don't get me wrong. I love uh, college dropout. I love graduation. And I love uh, late registration. Um, yeah. I think those are all three amazing albums, but they just don't, they're not my favorite albums. So <laughs> hey, it's all about you. <laughs> I get it. Um, um, where's it lay on yours? It's just so hard. I was trying to figure that out before we got on the, on the call, but I, I actually was went on a big road trip this weekend and the four hours of driving home, I just listened to nothing but Kanye. Shout out to my fantastic co-pilot that let me just uh, kind of vibe out and <laughs> have a four-hour nonstop Kanye uh, jam sesh. But it's tough, man. I almost look at it more like tears. I feel like uh, Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is up there. That's probably my, my number one. Um, it kind of changes from time to time. But after that, I kind of group all those three, the first three that you mentioned together college dropout, late registration, and graduation. I almost feel like all of those are kind of on their own level playing field tied for second. And then I would probably put T-Lop right after that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like. But um, I, I say that to say T-Lop probably has the most music I enjoy listening to on it, if that makes sense. That, I mean, that's why it's number two for me. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. It, it's, it's like college dropout the vibe i hate to say that word but yeah like you know historically great album right but outside of a few songs i i'm going back to the life of pablo or uh my bar my beautiful dark twisted fantasy more than i am um outside of a few uh college dropout songs makes sense i'm i'm somewhat in agreement with that um people also forget like that that was one of the the best album listening parties of all time and if people don't know or don't remember um kanye live streamed his uh one of his yeezy fashion shows and it was just like this gigantic stage of like an army of people uh all modeling his yeezy shit and he basically just made a stage entrance with lamar odom (laughs) who that's the first time people had seen him since he od'd at the bunny ranch And Kanye pretty much plugged in his iPhone and played the album from start to finish. And it was fucking amazing. I remember being at my desk at work and I was streaming it on my my work computer, which probably a big no-no. But I wasn't about to miss that. It was crazy. People had been anticipating the album for months and months and months. And it was fucking awesome. And it just turned into like Kanye and all his boys passing around the augs board on on the stage like young thug came down he played a few songs vic mensa took the augs chord played a few of his songs it was just a fucking sick ass party and it was amazing shout out to jay phil uh yeah, one of the was, homies w- w- was in that fashion show flew to new york and uh and uh was modeling for yeezy while all that was going on so shout out to him once in a lifetime experience for sure and like that was like such a cool because it was one of those albums that had the, the makings of being one of those never going to be released albums. <laughs> totally. <laughs> the whole fucking like Yandi trash that he's like been talking about for the last couple of years. But like, yeah, it 
just the way he set it up there's like that famous like picture of him doing this and like everybody makes like their phone background it's just like just such a cool event and i think it like changed how people want to release music and if you have that sort of hype around it you can do some crazy shit like that um and it was so cool just like looking and being like is that fucking kid cutty that push it to you. That's still one of like the favorite memories I have looking back is that yeah. I want to say it's like a 10 second video of Kanye, Cuddy, and Travis Scott all like arm in arm during a father stretch my hands and the beat drops and they go crazy. Beautiful yeah. morning. <laughs> one of this, my favorite things. This might be a uh, a different a conversation for another time for longer, but like it also has just top 10 i would say first three intro songs we've had this conversation before about what are your favorite like three song sequence like i think mm-hmm. ultralight beam and then father stretch my hands part one and two it just it's it's not it's perfect three track sequences especially to open an album better than that so yeah when you open it with the little girl we want the lord yeah and then you get just like bars and chance the husband drops an insane verse and then father stretch my hands that intro to that song and then the hook with kid cuddy is perfect and then it goes into panda and yeah. we think it's future but it's fucking designer and it's the <laughs> it's the perfect amount of hard to put in after like the beautiful hook of uh part one mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah i would agree it's, it's definitely up there that this album starts off with a fucking bang yeah and like you said once you uh you get past the bleached assholes and models part like it's it's one of the, it's just it just gets better over time when you kind of go back to it it's like you can put father stretch my hands on at any time at a party and people are going like one of my favorite so like, it. deep cuts to throw on at a party for yeah. sure because when that beast drops everybody everybody fucking goes ham yeah you got people screaming it's a crowd pleaser as as vulgar and gross as the the verse is it turned into like one of those weird Kanye moments where like he knew he was going to make people scream it and everybody loves to scream the bleach brown eye line. Yeah. Um, Highlights is also another one that I really like too with Thug and uh, El DeBarge. Yeah. (laughs) Highlights is a sneaky great song too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then what's your least favorite song outside of maybe like the bottom three? Like of like mm. the original, right? Like, original track 16, list, I guess. Uh, yeah, that's a tough one. Um, like take out the I love Kanye and shit like that. Yeah, the stuff that doesn't count that makes yeah. sense. Um, man, that's a really hard question. I would say low lights, but that's cheating because it just has that sample of that woman, uh, like yeah. talking and singing on it. Why so. you tell me about it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Man. <laughs> which i wish kanye would have looped up the end of that beat and got somebody to come spit on it for a couple bars because that would have been hard as fuck that beat's amazing um yeah i don't know dude that's a really really difficult question because i love this album <laughs> i would say maybe fuck, i want to say real friends but i do really like that song maybe fml but fucking weekend kills that hook too so i'm not sure what would you say um i think if i had to I think No More Parties in LA would be my least favorite. Your cut? Yeah, I think you can make a strong case for FML, but mm-hmm. Weekend kills it, and I like when it kind of breaks down a little bit. 
Um, it's a little darker too. Yeah. I think my my one qualm with no more parties in LA is it almost just sounds like it's too tight. Like they didn't really give the track a whole lot of room to breathe. Like Kendrick came on there spitting a yeah. million miles a minute. It's good, good, good verse, but it's it's just a little bit too much packed in there for me. It just it's not like Kanye's style. He just could not keep up with like if it was just Kendrick and cut it and just like let Kanye be on some bullshit, like him trying yeah. to keep up from like a lyrical standpoint when he's just talking about like stealing my laptop, he's like get like it's just, yeah, my cousin. Yeah, yeah, and like, but I use some fuck bitches off. Yeah, <laughs> which he mentions twice in this album. Yeah, but, he does. I noticed that again today. Like, damn, Kanye, yeah. you're really salty about that album. About <laughs> that yeah, laptop. <laughs> Leave Kevin um, alone, dude. <laughs> yeah, critically acclaimed album though. Rolling Stone gave it four and a half out of five stars. Pitchfork gave it a nine out of ten. Um, it's kind of funny to think of that. And then this is really the album that kind of drove Kanye to that last breaking point. The last time I think he, before he went on tour for the album, he got lipo because he wasn't looking great. And I don't think it right off the bat got the reception that he wanted. And that really kind of started his, I don't know if it was first down, downward spiral, but downward spiral that happened in. 2016 2017 where he got canceled one of not the first time but one of many times yeah i mean he did he did that tmz run he was he was going crazy on stage on this on these tours so it was kind of the, yeah uh, the downfall he was like, for him he was beefing with kid cuddy a little bit during this time and i think he was like paranoid and lack of sleep and i think he was smoking and boozing a lot so he was just he in was a bad broke. bad place <laughs> yeah he was in a bad spot was that around the same time he had like the whole like the Sway interviews and shit like that? Or was that pre Pablo? No, Sway came around uh, during like his Yeezus tour run. Okay. I've during that been. album run, that's when he, uh, it ain't Ralph though. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's when he got those Sway. <laughs> yeah. That's when he got those sound bites. <laughs> Classic interviews. He has one that with, uh, who's my favorite Australian dude um, that works for Apple? Zane, Zane Lowe. Lowe. Yeah. Zane Lowe. He, inter- yeah. he interviews him, uh, I want to say for the Yeezus album. Um, and that's a fucking very long, intense interview, but a pretty good yeah. one. I would recommend yeah. it. Go back and watch that if you're a Kanye fan and haven't seen it. Oh, yeah. Um, and then you got Kanye today. Just uh, divorcing Kim. Making music being, for the Lord. Being bootstraps. Just just being just your A-class, your, A, your A-class kind of guy, you know, <laughs> running for president. Yeah, n- <laughs> not necessarily the kind of person I want to be associating myself with, but Fell in love with Kanye back in 04. I'm not going to yeah. not listen to his music when it comes out. Too yeah. much nostalgia means too much to me. So in this instance, I'm going to separate the person from the artist and keep listening to Kanye. Yeah, I mean, I still love Kids See Ghosts. So. And I was bummed to miss him in Coachella, what, two, last year, two years ago? Whenever mm-hmm. he was like, he snuck out from uh, like Weekend 2 with Kid Cudi. But yeah. How many times have you seen Kanye live? Uh, none. I haven't seen it before. Oh, no, once. Oh, you... Sorry. I saw him once in, uh, fuck, Outside Lands. I was with you. Yeah. yeah. That, was, that was a fantastic show. That was a great show. Uh, yeah. That was when he was on his bullshit with his fucking, like, diamond mask. and. Yeah, that, that was, like, right around, I want to say that was in, like, 2014. So that was, like, right after Yeezus. Um, yeah. I remember he played Bound 2, like, two or three times in a row that was fucking fire 
um in the big circle, yeah, he, circles. yeah. <laughs> he's the man i think i've only seen him i want to say twice i saw him back in 04 on uh or 05 on the on the usher confessions tour he opened up for him and that, that was unbelievable shout out to my my, my cool cousin jules for, for taking me to that that was sick but yeah great performance yeah exactly <laughs> baptized at a young age um, but yeah that, that was talking kanye yeah anything else you wanted to talk about i think that's uh all i had we we uh had to let everybody know how much t-lop meant to us and to the culture as well yeah as always uh thank you everybody for listening thank you for the feedback um one of these days we'll come up with some cool sign off i haven't thought of anything so i'll let you yeah. sign us out yeah another uh another episode in the books keep liking keep uh listening keep subscribing all that good stuff and until next week everybody have a good one go dubs go jordan pool mm-hmm.